Big news this week, Phil. Big news. Is it is it big league news or is it bigly news? Big league, as Trump likes to say. And we're not talking about the Milwaukee Brewers. Madison has lost its police chief. I wonder where could he be? <laughs> no, it's not like a lost and found case. <laughs> He's not a missing person. He left the job. He abruptly retired Sunday with a moment's notice. Um, like, really abruptly. Like, posted a blog Sunday morning and said, I'm out. I'm gone. Not like I'm leaving the end of the month. Not two weeks notice. Just... Not come to work on Monday. Yeah, and he said he was tired of the politics. He said he wasn't getting enough officers that he wanted. I think what really triggered this so quickly was the budget, because only a day or two later we found out there were not going to be any more police officers in the budget. Are you saying our police chief was triggered? <laughs> yes, I am. And we're going to talk about that today on Center Stage with Milford and Hans. We're also going to have a special song just for Mike Kumbaya Koval. Oh, I can't wait. I'm Scott Milford. I'm the editorial page editor for the State Journal. And I'm Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. And we are half of the State Journal editorial board. The better looking half. All right, now turn that racket off. I've got a folk song here, Phil, or a hymn that I'd like to just do one verse for you. Okay, sounds good. Some people, you lose your police chief. It's an emotional week. When I get emotional, I don't binge eat or go to my bedroom and cry. I grab my guitar and I express my feelings in song. What a hippie thing to do. Someone's blogging, Lord, Kumbaikoval. Someone's ripping on the city council. Someone's busting crooks for restorative justice. Oh, Lord, Kumbaikoval. That's pretty good, Scott. <laughs> now we call not bad for an editorial page editor. <laughs> I was trying to be spiritual. About I got, it. I felt spiritual. I was trying to get the little of the uh, vibrato going. There. Praise be. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Well, of course, he came into office five years ago, five plus years ago, as our editorial on Wednesday morning's newspaper noted. He came in as, calling himself Kumbaya Koval. That's right, and that was because he pulls people together and wants us to all get along and that's not really what happened during his tenure was it you know what's funny about koval is that i bet if you lined him up with every police chief in the country it'd be hard to find a more hippy dippy progressive police chief than than koval and yet here and yet in, <laughs> here in madison he was the embodiment of our racist police state and i'm using air quotes around that that's sarcasm <laughs> right there but he was the embodiment of that Yeah, and not only that, but what's left of the sort of right wing in Madison, which I guess would be talk radio and maybe Dave Blaska and then a couple of bloggers. Yeah, they grabbed on to Chief Koval like he was Sheriff Clark. Yeah, they did. They loved him. They loved him. (laughs) That that sort of that's I think that might have hurt his image a little bit, actually, is that, you know, this sort of radical pro police crowd thought he was the only thing standing between Madison and utter chaos. For those who don't remember, Sheriff Clark was Milwaukee County's 
sheriff. Can we say lunatic sheriff? Is that is that, I mean is that I think that's a fair assessment of the situation. America's sheriff, Phil. <laughs> America's insane sheriff. That's what uh, I think they called him on Fox or something. But yeah, he's outspoken. I think he went when he finally got sort of run out of town. Trump hired him to raise money, right? To go yeah. around and speak. And now you never hear from him, at least I don't. Is he well, still on Fox? I, I don't know. I don't watch cable news because it rots your brain. I was just telling people this morning how much cable news will rot your brain <laughs> and spoil your soul for all humanity. So I don't know if he's there. But Sheriff Clark was the guy who recommended that people grab their guns. And their torches and pitchforks. Yeah. To uh, go take back. If Trump doesn't win, <laughs> grab your torch and pitchforks and cause chaos in your community in the streets, which is what every law enforcement officer really wants. That was sarcasm too, Scott. But there is an element on the far progressive left that thinks that Koval is some kind of cliche tough guy cop. Yeah. A racist cop, cop who doesn't care about people. And he's the exact opposite of that. I think he's very concerned about the community. He was really focused on mental health issues and community policing. I mean, didn't he write the book on community policing? I mean... Yeah, he came in, as our editorial said, too. I mean, he promised to respect civil liberties, and he promised to expand efforts for community policing. I think some people at the start of this even saw it as maybe we're going back to a little of David Cooper, who was the police chief who came in in— The 70s. After— The (laughs) head-cracking days of the 1960s protest movement. Yeah, and made the Madison Police Department a much more community-focused and diverse force. A kinder, gentler police force. It is, yeah. But the thing that Koval did differently than police chiefs in the past, I think, even though he has that progressive, social justice kind of mentality— is that unlike, in particular, his predecessor, Noble Ray, Yeah, he really said what he thought in pretty blunt ways, and he was more easily perturbed, I think. He sort of let Madison's left wing, the anti-cop vocal minority is what I would call them, he let them get under his skin in a bad way, I think. To some degree, I liked his transparency in that he said what he thought. Because a lot of times with Noble Ray, he never really said anything, it seemed like. Noble Ray said nothing. He did after he was out as yeah. police chief. <laughs> he suddenly, he'd start, you'd be like, wow, that's Noble Ray. He he's suddenly really, had thoughts that Yeah, he's heard. really saying something. On the other hand, from the perspective of, do you want a smooth-running police department that doesn't have a lot of controversy, Noble Ray seemed pretty good at that. But the thing that happened to Koval is... He walked right into the Black Lives Matter movement. So within months of becoming the new police chief, Tony Robinson was shot and killed by a police officer. And Tony Robinson was an unarmed black teenager who was high on drugs and having an episode and a and a police officer. And he had assaulted a couple people. Yeah. And a police officer confronted him um, in an apartment, an upstairs apartment. And we don't exactly know what happened because God forbid we ever had video of what actually happened because that would be horrible for both sides. Right. Yeah, we don't, have, we don't have body cameras on our officers, which we should, but we don't. So anyway. we don't know exactly what happened, but the cop claims that Tony Robinson punched him, and the cop shot Tony Robinson several times, and Tony Robinson died. Protesters took to the streets in Madison, Wisconsin today after police shot and killed an unarmed black teenager last night. This comes days after the U.S. Justice Department closed its investigation into the fatal police shooting in Ferguson, Missouri. The rallying cry started last night. We have been marching in the streets 
It was a protest that looked and sounded like the ones ignited by the shooting in Ferguson. But here, the State Department of Justice, not the local police, are leading the investigation. Madison Police Chief Michael Koval. It's understandable that the reaction at the scene amidst some of our citizens is extremely volatile, emotional, and upsetting. And we understand that. So Chief Koval, he walked into a very explosive situation, and I thought he did a pretty good job. We had we had marches and protests here in Madison. The police did not confront protesters. They didn't bring their big SUV out and try and cause confrontations with the protesters. They let them have their say, make their voices heard, and kept everybody safe. And in fact, Mike Koval, within a couple days, it might have even been that night, Koval went to the Robinsons family and expressed his condolences and without judging exactly what had happened said he uh, he apologized and said he was sorry for what had happened yeah. he was engaging with protesters as we recalled in our editorial Leonard Pitts Jr nationally syndicated columnist probably the most popular columnist in our newspaper. Yeah. He writes for the Miami Herald. He is black. He writes a lot about race. He wrote a national column that we ran about Mike Koval, saying that Koval's performance in the wake of Tony Robinson's death was an antidote to distrust of police because Koval got it, according to uh, Pitts, that police have been part of the problem, and he admitted that. And Koval made, he also made national news shortly after that, too. He was featured on The Daily Show as the, which is the, the comedy news show on Comedy Central. And he did a bit about, he was the white police chief who admitted that there were racial biases in all police officers. You know, and it was kind of this joke that like, oh my God, we got a white cop to say the cops are racist. But he was in on the joke and part of it. Are all police biased? Yes, the police have biases. Got him. Got him? You said it. Who are you calling? Black people. You just, you're calling black people? Let me get that number. Yeah, I'm in Wisconsin. White dude. Just said it. Bias, all of them. Uh-huh. Tell black Twitter. Black Twitter? You don't know about black Twitter? No. Yeah, black Twitter. Hello? Black Twitter. Hello? You should get on black Twitter. It's hilarious. I don't know what they're talking about half the time, but it is funny. He would be the first to tell you that all cops had implicit biases. And we and the Madison Police Department became a model on how to teach cops to try and overcome their implicit biases. But then it started to go south with a couple of different things. Initially, Mike Koval was very sort of apologetic and consoling to the Robinson family. But at one point, there was a, uh, there was an incident where he where he, he got in a spat with Tony Robinson's grandmother, and they had a kind of a verbal altercation, for which he had to apologize because it was completely inappropriate to talk to the grandmother of a shooting victim like that. And that also, I believe, came at the same time when he was really starting to get fiery in his blog. I'm referencing my uh, folk tune from earlier when he was blogging, but he went after the city council in a blog and said, we'll be watching you. That was almost like an implied threat to the city council. They did not take kindly to that. And nor should they. We don't want the police department monitoring our our city council. No, and we actually back then had an editorial that said, Koval was right on substance, but wrong on style. At one point in the meeting, when some people were criticizing him or the police department, he kind of banged his fist on the table he was sitting at, and there was an alderman in front of him 
who just so happens to be black, who said he felt intimidated by the chief of police having a gun behind him. Koval was especially upset about a $400,000 study that the Madison City Council wanted to conduct of the police department. He would rather have that $400,000 spent on officers as opposed to a study. Now, what the study ended up saying was that we have a very good police department here in Madison, a very well-run police department that is that, you know, works really hard to not be there's there to, to root out corruption, to have, you know, highly trained officers who conduct themselves in a community minded way. Yeah. And in retrospect, he probably should have just let that go forward because I think that got folded into the national narrative like things so often do here in Madison. Yeah. Where it was like. Oh, bad police force resists giving out information and having someone independently come in and study what they're doing. He was never like, I don't want you studying. He said, I think he always said, I could use that $400,000 on officers. The other thing you got to remember is in this Tony Robinson case, the state justice department came in and investigated that, not the local police. And that actually is now law that that has to happen when somebody's shot by police, that you can't investigate it yourself. Yeah, which is a really good law. Right. That report went to Ishmael Ozane, the Dane County District Attorney, who happens to be from a civil rights family and is the first black district attorney in Wisconsin. Yeah. And he looked at the independent report and said the officer... Uh, cannot be criminally charged. Yeah. Although the family then pursued a civil lawsuit and got three point some million dollars. So, so Cole made some enemies on the left, but he got really endeared to the the what's left of the right wing in, in Madison. Really took a shine to him because of a couple of things. I, I think there's this impression that crime is on the rise in our community, which I don't think is the case. Not over time. I mean, there there have been moments in Madison. You might recall there was that. Those few weeks where one guy would get shot to death in a gas station and then the next week another guy would get shot in a different gas station and there was sort of some retaliatory... And that was the year we had 10 murders. But we have so few murders in Madison that many cities our size regularly have 50 murders a year. But we also have had the rash of car thefts and people stealing cars. Especially amongst juveniles. There has been more crime, generally speaking, on the southwest side, which has gotten a lot of attention. And I think because of the opioid crisis, you're, we're, seeing, we're seeing a lot more bad behavior related to people who are addicted to opioids or trying to do things to get money for opioids. I think that's a lot of the issues yeah. downtown you see is, is we just have a problem of people being hooked on opioids and they're hanging out on State Street or the Capitol Square. Yeah, we have some very visible law enforcement problems, like like the gunfire, even though nobody was uh, killed or anything, but there was that gunfire at the fireworks this year. Yeah. Which scared people because they thought, oh, is this the start of some mass shooting? So there's startling things that are happening in Madison and we can't take that away. But if you ever look at the FBI crime statistics over time, they have been going generally speaking, down and down and down since the 80s. But there are some people who seem to believe that Mike Colville was the only thing keeping Madison from utter chaos and, 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 and <laughs> falling into becoming, you know, Mad Max land or something like that. Well, and what would happen was, for example, he got really perturbed by the new mayor. There was this video camera in somebody's room, and we saw the police officers strike and arrest this teenage boy who apparently had mental health mental issues. health issues 
What we didn't see was everything that led up to that. And uh, the police, you know, say it's a very different story. He didn't like the mayor assuming that they had things done things wrong. Yeah. Then we had a school board member, Ali Muldrow, who compared, loosely albeit, but online sort of compared local police to Nazis. Yeah. It wasn't a direct comparison, but, you know, you got to be smart enough to realize you don't say... Nazi in the same sentence as anything else without people assuming you're going to compare it. As local police. And she did apologize, but that really, you know, got under his skin. And I would never compare, <laughs> speaking of bad comparisons. Bad comparisons, Scott. I would never compare Mike Koval to Donald Trump, but they're in a much lesser way. The way Trump has this sort of tweeting problem where, where his supporters are like, gosh, I wish he didn't tweet, so you know, do his tweeting. In a way, I think Koval, as much as I liked the transparency of his blog, he would do a daily practically blog of what yeah. was going on. It was very informative. About our community. About our community. What kind of crimes are we facing? What are the issues that the officers have? But then every now and then, and you, you sort of pictured him being perturbed on a on a Sunday evening by something that had just been on the news, and he goes off. You know what he should have had? He needed an editor. Like, you know, most <laughs> yeah. edi- most good editorial cartoonists, we have brilliant editors. Thank you. Yeah, that brilliant, is so true. Brilliant, I amazing. I fact check that. Correct. And, and sometimes you're like, you know what? Let's put some pants on Donald Trump in this cartoon, <laughs> yeah. Phil. Let's not yeah. let his ding-dong hang out. Right. And and I, I think Koval needed That's so- what I'm there for. Koval needed somebody to go through his 1,500-word blog post where he would say one sentence that could be construed where he's just hot-headed in one sentence. Yeah. So you know what, Chief? You don't need to. You don't need this one in here. Yeah. You know he needed he needed an editor. His you know five hundred ish staff of mostly officers and then support people. I think they really appreciated that. I think that they liked somebody standing up for them. You get the sense that things have changed. You know, like after nine eleven, firefighters became our heroes. Yeah. And they and suddenly there were American flags all on the fire trucks, and we loved our firefighters. It used to be, I think, that police were very revered. And I think in a lot of places they still are. I still revere the police. Mm -hmm. But what's happened mostly because of technology and I think cameras, people whip out cameras on their phones. There's cameras everywhere. When cops do something bad, and they do sometimes do something bad, and they are sometimes racist, it's captured on film and it goes viral. What we also know now, after Ferguson especially, we know there are dirty cop. There, we know there are dirty police departments like that. That police department in Ferguson was dirty down to its core. They were racist and dirty, and we should say that. Um, and that's happened across the country. Now, I don't think that's the case in Madison. I don't. I don't think we have a dirty police department here in Madison. I don't think so either. And our police department, for particularly being still a very white community. We are, we are still a very white city. That's, that's just a fact. We are one of the most diverse, transparent, professional police departments in the country. Some of these officers have PhDs in psychology. I remember, I remember being on State Street as a, as a college student and seeing just how often you'd see the State Street police officer talking to the homeless people on State Street, just to figure, just just to be their friend, you know, just to know what's going on. And so that way they can find out, oh, is Jimmy over there? Is he off his meds today? Maybe we need to give him a little more. Maybe we need to make sure we know what's going on with him. Yeah. Now, having said that, 
there's still inherent racism in our community, and that I think that extends to police. Absolutely. Do, does driving well black occur? I think it does sometimes. Absolutely that occurs. Um, are there maybe some reasons beyond just racism for why sometimes that happens? Like maybe if people don't have as much money, their car isn't working right, and they didn't renew their license, so they get pulled over. Yeah. And were they pulled over because they black? Were they they were black, or did they get pulled over because they were had an expired license plate? But I think when you talk to a lot of people in this community who don't have expired license plates, like Kaleem Kerr or Michael Johnson or Alex G, they will tell you a lot of stories about being pulled over when they shouldn't have been. Yeah, I've never been pulled over in Madison. I've not once yeah. been pulled over. I've lived here for fifteen years, and I've never been pulled over in Madison. And I'm not. <laughs> Say yeah. good driver. We don't have a lot of interactions with the police. No. Other than when we're interrogating them, like <laughs> Koval, when they come in for an editorial board That's meeting. That's right. He's always a good editorial board meeting. He's always entertaining. That's the thing about him is he's just, he he is quotable. He's a little verbose. As long as you don't try and quote him verbatim because he never, like, he we, we tried to do a transcript once of him. He doesn't have, <laughs> he, there's never a period. He yeah. just keeps talking. In the end, I mean, how do you think uh, Koval is going to be remembered and what is his legacy i think he's a uh love him or hate him kind of guy i don't think there's a lot of middle ground on koval i mean people i was just talking a little to a to an older lady who loved mike koval he came to the block party in her neighborhood and helped clean up the clean up the crime in in her community and there are some people that just hate the guy's guts you know and I, i don't think there's maybe you and me are the only people that sort of have Mixed feelings about the guy. I think as our editorial said this week, he made some mistakes with his blog and maybe overreacting to some things in public. And some style mistakes. But overall, he really brought a big heart to the job. I think he was a good fit for Madison. Maybe if it hadn't been for the the national mood at the time, him being kind of thrown into this national mood of, hey, the cops are bad to black people. Some of them were. I'm just saying it was bad timing for him. If he yeah. had been a police chief five years prior, he, he probably would have not been a controversial figure, which to some degree he was. But I think his legacy is furthering community policing, furthering and improving how we deal with difficult situations like mental health he was extremely energetic and out in the community and transparent. He was very much in the – I mean, he was all over this community. He was at he was at neighborhood yeah. association parties. He, You know, if you basically – I mean, he was just around a lot. I'm not sure a lot of police chiefs – I mean, if you were walking around the farmer's market on a Saturday morning, yeah. there was a good chance you were going to bump into Mike Koval at some point. Yeah, yeah. You know, because he cared a lot about being a figure in the community. Mm-hmm. You know, just walking around in his uniform, just – Meeting people. You actually had a touchy-feely relationship with Mike Koval, didn't you? It was an uncomfortably touchy-feely, actually. I, so I, I've drawn, I've actually drawn quite a few cartoons about this guy because he was pretty lampoonable. You know, he he was good for a cartoon, and I had a cartoon was it in Thursday's paper, kind of saying goodbye to a, a farewell to Koval, which was very uh, complimentary, very complimentary, very very pro-cop. Decidedly pro-cop. Everybody, the Freedom Inc. was saying hooray to him leaving. The mayor was saying hooray to him leaving. And the criminals were saying hooray to him leaving. Yeah. So, uh, but, but during an editorial board meeting, this was quite a while ago, I think. Well, because I, I, had, I had drawn him in a cartoon in like his second or third, like his first week on the job, I drew him in a cartoon. 
And it was when they, the police department had gotten these new surplus military vehicles. And, <laughs> and, and you know, he's just talking about the importance of community policing, and it's not about force. And the next thing you know, we're getting these tanks, basically, for our streets. I believe the correct term is urban assault vehicle. Yeah, that sounds a lot better. <laughs> it's from Stripes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I had him putting a little, like, have a nice day bumper sticker on the top of this, you know, this tank, basically. <laughs> But when I drew him, I gave, yeah, I couldn't. There weren't really a lot of good photographs of him, so I gave him a, a, a little bit of a gut because all police officers have guts from eating too many donuts, and I couldn't tell he didn't that he had hair on the top of his head, so he looked kind of bald, and so he was very upset that I had drawn him with the gut and bald. <laughs> so like first time I met him in an editorial board meeting, he walks in and he grabs my hand, like forcibly grabs yeah. my hand and rubs it on his head, and he says, "See, Phil, I have hair," and he takes that same hand. <laughs> And rubs it on his stomach, which is like, you know, my hand is now like two inches from his gun at this point. You were reaching for his gun. You could have, could been, have been shot. And he's like, and see, Phil, I do not have a beer gut. And it's just, and it's just like, okay, okay, I got it. And he went, I will not argue with I that. I will not yeah. argue with that. He did that a couple of times in meetings, you know. So it wasn't just the once. It was a couple of times. Awkward. It was a little awkward, yeah. <laughs> I still, I mean, I don't dislike the guy, but it was like, ooh, and he, a little touchy-touchy. Although, on the facts, he was right. He, do, he did have hair, I believe. Very, very short crew cut. Yeah, you could hardly tell. And he is in pretty good shape. He's in pretty decent shape. I mean, For hey, a police officer who eats donuts three, night, three meals a day. I mean, hey, he's no noble ray. <laughs> but he's in a lot better shape than you and I are. That's true. And That's we true. run. Well, not very fast. No. 